0: This is Belize from UCLA Radio, and you're listening to The Menu. Good afternoon. You're tuned in to The Menu on uclaradio.com, a radio show about LA's wonderful food culture and the people who make it special. I'm your host, Belize.
1: And I am Henry. Um, We have a very special guest today. Tara Punzone is the chef owner of the first 100% plant based Italian restaurant and wine bar in the US called Pura Vita, which she opened in 2018 in West Hollywood and the soon to be open uh, Pura Vita Pizzeria next door. Tara, welcome to the menu.
2: Thank you for having me. How are you doing? Excellent. This That's is, great, This to is hear. very cool.
1: On this fine summer's winter, (laughs) summery winter day, Um, we like to start off the show with um, a question about what you ate this week. If you'd like to share anything with um, our our listeners about something enjoyable you had,
2: Um,
1: can be something from your restaurant? Can be something not? This
2: week, we began testing the uh, menu for the pizzeria. So I have eaten pizza (laughs) for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and snacks uh, every day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a dream until you have to do it.
2: (laughs) And you just reach the point where you're like, I can't even take another bite. It's not possible. Um, Yeah, I've eaten a lot of pizza this week. Um, What started off Testing the gluten-free dough, because that's the one thing that makes me a little bit nervous. I've never made it before. So I wanted to start with the thing that I didn't know, and then I can enjoy the rest of the process. Um,
1: all I can say is it's fantastic. So uh, Can't wait. Yeah. We're excited.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. What did you have, Henry?
1: Um, I, this weekend, I tried Sichuan Impression for the first time. Um, it's a Sichuan restaurant that was... Um, they have a, a, a second location out here in uh, the west side, but the first one's out in on the east side. Um, very spicy. Um, Sichuan peppers and everything. Um, Chinese Szechuan, if you're unfamiliar. Um, tried a lot of great spicy stuff. We had a, a vegan mapo tofu, um, as well as bamboo shoots, which are like my favorite thing right now. Um, and toothpick lamb and a bunch of other yummy stuff. Um I also tried Mont—I mean, I had Monty's again. I keep going back to Monty's good burger, okay. vegan burger. I've had it like—you like- should, yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> um, and uh, then uh, uh, we both went to Pura Vida, yeah, on Wednesday, and How had a did wonderful you guys time.
0: Think it was amazing. Oh, good. Um, I mean, I feel like that restaurant is kind of like the epitome of my personality. Like everything <laughs> I love in one place, like vegan <laughs> Italian food, good bread vegan wine. Like I, I couldn't have asked for anything else. <laughs> yeah. It's it's I especially love um love the peso pasta, which I tried for the first time that evening. And it was kind of like oily and salty, but in a perfect way, not in a way that would um, make you queasy afterwards. It was just a healthy balance of fat and salt and like herbs and veggies. <laughs>
1: and love. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is true. You go to a conventional Italian restaurant and you have a big bowl of like, you know, creamy pasta and you just feel like crap afterwards. Yeah. Like that's happened to me many times and I, you know, <laughs> there was no hint of that after Vita.
2: Well, dairy can weigh you down pretty heavily mm-hmm. and um whether or not you consider yourself lactose intolerant, I don't think anybody should be consuming dairy. It's not good for you. And it doesn't make you feel the way you want to feel after you eat. So since we use, you know, since we don't use any dairy, obviously, um, and everything is organic and clean, you can eat really sort of stereotypically heavy food without having that feeling afterwards. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the benefit of it. Yeah. Um,
1: Do you want to talk about anything else you ate?
0: Yes. I've actually been going to Esther's wine shop a lot recently. Um, I buy a lot of wine from there, <laughs> um, but I also really, I went to their happy hour, and they have like $9 house wines, and you can get some snacks, and it's just like, they have a really nice patio, so you can just sit there, study if you want, with a glass of wine, um, they also have the Milo Olive loaf, that comes like, warm, um, so... It's yeah, it's it's one of my favorite places right now. Where's that? Um it's on Seventh Street Santa Monica. Okay. So closer to the beach. Nice. But yeah, it's a really nice little shop and they have like great selection of wines. Um I recommend it to everyone. Nice. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. You know? Um so I guess now now that we've, you know, gotten to know each other a little bit <laughs> more, we can we can go into the questions. First, we wanted to start off with some um, origin questions, as we like to call them, um, about your background. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you mentioned that you grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. Um, What was the food scene like when you were growing up, and what sort of food did you eat at home?
2: Um, Well, it was Brooklyn slash Long Island, because it was Brooklyn when I was a kid, and then we moved to Long Island. so that I could go to a better school, mm-hmm. um, and then as soon as I graduated, I moved to Manhattan, and then I moved back to Brooklyn. Um, so a little bit of a circle,
1: <laughs> but um, all of New York except Queens, maybe.
2: I lived in Queens for and one year did. too. Oh, wow. I just uh, kind of pass over that year. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, Brooklyn is a really incredible place because it it has it. it there's every culture that you can think of. I mean, and it's truly, like, on top of each other. So, you know, you get to really experience and understand <clears throat> different types of um, of of foods and, you know, communities, and you have to, I mean, it would be beneficial for you to be grown up you know, to, to be taught that that everybody is equal, which is the way I grew up. So I had friends from all over the place, um, and I got to experience a lot of different types of food. But at home, it was always Italian food. Um, <clears throat> all of my grandparents were, they would say, cooks, but by profession. They never used the word chef for whatever reason. That wasn't a thing <laughs> back then. But that was professionally... Um, what they all did on all four of them. And um, both my mother and my father are excellent cooks, not by profession, but just by, by nature. Mm-hmm. And so I was super spoiled because food was always abundant in my house and really everything revolved around food all the time, regardless of whether we were celebrating something or if somebody died or whatever it was. It was just like food was the number one thing being planned and happening, and <laughs> it brought everybody together, and it was, like, um, it was really important, and it was a really beautiful thing. Um, but for me personally, I don't know if you want to get into this yet, but for me personally, I saw a lot of things that, as a kid, I just didn't really, I couldn't really, like, wrap my head around as far as, like, you know, using animals and dishes in in horribly disgusting ways. I mean it's disgusting no matter what, but like really extreme mm-hmm. ways, like sanguinache, for example, which is like pig's blood and chocolate pudding. These types of things <laughs> as a kid <laughs> were not something that you can understand. Like why mm-hmm. are we doing this? And I and I it was always explained to me that, you know, in, in Italy in the South, they were peasants and there was no money and these were they used every part of the animal, so it was zero waste and and that's excellent. But we lived in New York. We didn't live in the south of Italy and we weren't incredibly poor. I mean we weren't rich, but it just didn't make any sense to me from the very beginning. So that's kind of Mm -hmm. how it all started.
1: (laughs) How I don't I don't know any, you know, person that young who is able to make that conscious decision you must have had some sort of I mean that's that's like very um, aware at such a young uh, young age um, what do you think led you to be that sort of um, you know make that decision because at, at that age I was pretty I guess ignorant
2: yeah I mean yeah it is it is kind of hard to explain. I just really, really loved animals a lot, and you know, I mean, I was—I I probably had never even seen a pig in real life, mm-hmm. but I loved animals, and I never, I never saw them as different. So, if you love a cat or a dog or whatever animal that you see around the neighborhood or whatever it is, it's like <clears throat> they're all the same. So, it always was uncomfortable for me when somebody would be like. Or, for example, let's just use the typical American thing, like, on Thanksgiving, there's a turkey. And as a kid, I was always like, there's just a giant dead bird on the table. And I just, everyone has seen birds. We all know Mm -hmm. whether you love them or not. I mean, it's a bird, it's a living thing. It just felt so strange to me as a child, I couldn't understand why we would be doing this. It was like barbaric. But the real moment that I made the connection was, um, one of uh, my school teachers showed the class a video of a slaughterhouse, and it wasn't until that moment that I was like, light bulb,
1: wow. holy
2: crap, that's that's what's happening, and that's um, horrible, violent, and also disgusting, and just a lot of things that as a kid, I was like, I don't want to have any part of any of it. It just seems so. I mean, it would be just as strange to me for it to be a person. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it's it's a living thing. Like, why is that? Okay. I don't know. I just it was so clear to me that I didn't want to have anything to do with it from the moment I saw that video that um, that was it. I threw my lunch <laughs> away that day because my mother always made me lunch. I never <laughs> ate school lunch. So spoiled, <laughs> and <laughs> Me but I too. threw it away that day, and you know I had to go home and explain to my parents that I just didn't really want to be a part of it.
0: Mm-hmm. And how did you um, reconcile that Italian background with veganism? Was it hard to like um, veganize certain as- aspects of your lifestyle?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I wasn't vegan at first because mm-hmm. – I, so I was like 10 years old when this moment happened mm-hmm. that I realized I didn't want to have anything to do with it. But also I didn't really understand the dairy industry and all the mm-hmm. intricate, you know, details of everything. <laughs> I just knew that I didn't want to eat meat. Mm-hmm. So I basically became vegetarian at that time. And, um, and that was hard enough to explain to my parents. Mm-hmm. But they were – You know, really supportive, even though they didn't really understand. My mom understood a little bit more than my dad did. He was just like, what? Ah." (laughs) But they wanted to uh, support me either way. You know, they they were always very supportive of whatever it was that I was Mm -hmm. doing or not doing. And um, so they were like, basically, okay, just you need to like participate in the kitchen. And we got to figure this out together. So I started really paying attention. When they were cooking, because my mother was cooking every single day. And, you know, really understanding ingredients and what she was using and um, how she was making food. And that's really how I started getting into the idea of, you know, what food is and how it's prepared and, and all these things. Um, so that's kind of like how I learned to cook. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the vegetarian part was not that difficult. Uh, It took a few years of me going down the Mm -hmm. rabbit hole and like, you know, reading and learning about the dairy industry and eggs and leather and all the, you know, all the things for me to actually turn vegan. Mm -hmm. It it took a few years, so probably not until I was like, you know, 12 or 13 was I like really fully vegan. That was more difficult. That was when they were like. You're losing us. (laughs) What are we doing here? (laughs)
1: Right, because cheese is pretty integral. Because cheese is like, yeah, yeah.
2: getting rid of the meat was like really not a big deal. My mom Mm -hmm. was also even almost like, okay, we can (laughs) we can probably do this. This is you know, they even made some adjustments and what they were eating. I mean, they still eat meat, still Mm -hmm. even now. But um, but yeah, the cheese thing was definitely a thing, um, (laughs) and that was really difficult. And that was when I had to start. Figuring out, like, I mean, at first I just didn't have it at all. And, uh, you know, that kind of stinks because you want to have, like, you know, for example, I I always try to make it. Like, every Sunday we would have pasta, and my mom would make, you know, what we called gravy (laughs) in Brooklyn and Long Island, um, (laughs) which is not gravy, it is sauce. It's marinara (laughs) sauce. And when I went to Italy, I was schooled. Gravy. That is a Brooklyn thing. (laughs) <laughs> um, but, yes, I grew up calling it gravy and then got schooled when I went to Italy, and now I call it sauce. So.
1: <laughs> what did you call gravy on mashed potatoes?
2: Gravy. but, okay. <laughs> but So I mean, we ate that kind of gravy once a year. I mean, that wasn't a thing that we ate, you know, so it was sort of irrelevant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that was also gravy. Um, but, yeah, so she would make pasta, and they would have, like, a big fresh bowl of, like, ricotta cheese. And they would put it on their pasta. And then suddenly, I couldn't have that anymore. And that was lousy. Because, <laughs> you know, you just... It's, it's nostalgic. It's just like... Yeah. A, it's something that you want. You want to have the texture. And you want to have that creaminess. So, I started to try to figure out how to make it back then just using tofu. Because mm-hmm. back then, that was all right. I knew how to use. I didn't know about it. You know, nuts and all kinds of other things. And... Um, and that's when I started, like, really playing with trying to make cheeses and stuff to replace what now I felt I was missing. Um, and it was frustrating sometimes because it didn't always really work. I mean, it wasn't really on point yet. But um, it was satisfying enough that it got me through that <laughs> rough time of, you know, trying to stick to your guns when everybody's mm-hmm. telling you that, like, you know, you're being yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> You know it was not cool back then. There was no one else who was vegan or even vegetarian. I mean knew very, very yeah. few people ever at that age who so I would always like eat first before going at like going to my friend's house mm-hmm. for example, and then like the my friend's mom would like call my mom and be like I think she has an eating disorder, <laughs> and my mother was like, "She does not have an eating disorder. She eats a lot. <laughs> she just eats before she gets to your house because she's not going to eat your lousy burger." <laughs> so it was a lot of explanation yeah. all the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, be, I became vegan around like four four and a half years ago, and that still like that still happens. I still have to explain a lot of people. Um, I, people are still shocked at me being vegan. And like I explain them for two hours, and then the response I get is not even eggs, Right. <laughs> and I go back to my explanation. Right. And like, especially not
1: eggs. <laughs> yes. Um, so, um, how did you? Can you explain your sort of path from, you know, eating at home to becoming a chef? Like, when did you decide that say this is what I want to do? And and how did you? Um, build up your skills in a, in a kitchen, in a professional kitchen.
2: Um, it's it's an it's a it's an odd story. Um, so my grandparents owned a, a sandwich shop in Brooklyn. So again, like doing it professionally, they had their place. I always kind of really looked up to that and thought it was very fantastical, and and basically like told my dad when I was twelve years old that I was going to open a vegan Italian restaurant. To which he laughed <laughs> and said, oh. "Sure, honey." <laughs> You can do anything you want if you put your mind to it. That's what he always said. (laughs) He still says that, by (laughs) the way. Um, But um, also, he would always say, whatever you do, whatever you decide to do in life, please don't really open a restaurant. You'll never have a life. You'll never travel. Your relationships will be ruined. You know, you won't have the time to experience things. Um, And he guided me. I mean, both of my parents guided me away from the idea of working in the food industry from the beginning. So I went to art school. Um, I got a master's degree in fine art, wow. and I was working um, as a photographer for a few minutes there. <laughs> and uh, I had some some gallery shows, made a little bit of money. It was it was cool, but. There was always something that I was just felt like there was this emptiness, you know, like I wasn't really super passionate about what I was doing. I loved it, but I didn't like love it, you know. Mm -hmm. And all the while I was like constantly um, talking about veganism, teaching people how to cook. I would like get paid to go to people's apartments and like show them. It was based more on health than it was about the vegan part. Mm -hmm. Um, most of the jobs that I would get, but it was like teaching people how to cook with healthy ingredients and how not to eat dairy and how, you know, what they can do at home and these things. And I realized that when I was doing those things, I was just so happy. Like it was just, it was really, it felt so comfortable. And, um, I don't know. One day I just realized I, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I have to just stop. And go work in a restaurant starting from the very bottom work as a prep cook which is really difficult to mm-hmm. do when you live in brooklyn and you're about to go from making a you know a decent salary to minimum wage because that's what you make as a prep cook and um back then that was very little we did not have the luxury of having 15 dollars an hour as minimum <laughs> wage so it was rough, but it didn't last long because I already knew what I was doing. I just really needed to like understand how a restaurant worked. But you need to like start from the very bottom. You have to understand every single position um, in order to be able to one day be the boss. You have to do everything. Mm. Otherwise, you're never gonna be a good boss. I believe that that's, super, that's 100% true of any career. Um, so I did that, I just started You know, I just started working my way up and it wasn't about it was never about money. It was about passion. It was about being part of a a movement that I felt like I was a part of from when I was a kid, but I didn't know anyone else who was a part of it,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: you know. So being in a vegan restaurant, you know, in Manhattan, it was like, oh, my God, I finally have like support. There's like a system of people who feel the same way that you feel, it's, it's, it changes everything when you have that. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's how, basically how it all started. Yeah. And, um,
0: when we fast forward a couple of years, now you have the first plant-based wine bar in the USA, if I'm, if we're not wrong, Mm -hmm. um, what inspired you to open a restaurant like with that
2: specific concept? Um,
1: that's the dream. <laughs>
2: yeah. Pura Vida is everything that I love in one small place. So, pasta and wine um, and organic vegan ingredients. I mean, that's like, the, those are the two things that I love. And music is a big part of the experience when you go there. Mm-hmm. To be honest, probably my first passion is music, but I don't sing or play an instrument. <laughs> so, you know, plan B. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's just everything that I love. So it was just very selfish. And I couldn't fit pizza. I couldn't fit pizza <laughs> in the restaurant when I found so this space. Had to open so I up had to and... wait until the woman next door retired, so that I can open a pizzeria, <laughs> which is happening now. So um, I got very lucky. Yeah.
1: Um, so when we went, we got the pesto, the carbonara, and the ricotta appetizer. The yeah, the uh, um, cotta with the bread. The bread. It's yeah. delicious. Um, I want to talk about the nut. Like, okay, so you use a lot of nuts, um, right, for um, creams and cheeses. And um, they're used, like, as a replacement for traditional Italian cuisine. How do you figure out what nuts to use to achieve? The right texture and flavor for a certain sort of cheese because it was really, really damn good. <laughs> Thank
2: you. Um, well, I use a lot of cashew, mainly because cashews are very fatty, but they don't have a lot of taste, raw cashews. Um, so you can manipulate them to taste like something else um, just by, and just be actually using the creamy fattiness of the actual nut and then you know, you could sort of turn it into anything. As opposed to when you use, let's say, almonds, whatever it is that you're making still tastes like almonds, which works sometimes but doesn't work all the time. So, um, for example, we have two different kinds of ricotta cheese. Mm. Um, One is cashew-based and one is almond-based. And the reason why I do that is the almond-based one goes on cold dishes, salads, Mm. um, because the almond taste complements the salad and also doesn't heat well. Whereas the cashew one just tastes like the cheese that I want it to taste like, and it bakes and goes on the pastas and it it works better when it's hot. So sometimes I use both. I make two totally separate things that are actually trying to be a similar thing.
1: Um, What about the macadamia parmigiano? How does that nut translate well to parmesan?
2: Macadamias are like one of my favorite nuts, but they have a very specific taste. Um, and I, I mean, I have no idea why I originally made the Parmesan using macadamia, but I almost want to say it's, so I used to, I used to work at a restaurant in New York, which was really where I learned to use nuts to, in order to create cheeses, um, was a major revelation. Uh, back then it was like a new thing, you know, and we used to make, um, a macadamia parmesan cheese um, completely differently from how I make it in the restaurant now. We made it like a sheet. We would roll it out, mm. and it would be like a big dehydrated piece, like almost crunchy piece of parmesan. Mm. Um, it just oh, it just tasted so good. So I think that's probably why I use macadamia for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's just my favorite nut. I don't know.
0: Yeah and we also had the carbonara and you mentioned that you had a story behind that um so, you, so we want to know that story and also we want to know how did you come up with avocado egg
2: <laughs> okay well that's the story <laughs> so um carbonara is a typical roman dish mm-hmm. my family is from southern italy not rome so i never ate carbonara ever in my life like a traditional carbonara with egg and cheese and and uh, bacon Um, but I lived in Rome and in Rome they eat carbonara constantly it would be on every table in every restaurant anytime I I went out anywhere I could smell it over and above every other dish there was this particular smell that that dish had and it always looked similar no matter what restaurant you went in it was like very specific and not that I ever wanted to taste it because I would never want to eat those ingredients, but it is one of those things as a person who is passionate about food where you're like, I wonder, you know, I wonder what it's like. I wonder if it's like, is it smoky? Is it this, is it that? Whatever, all the things that it smells like is how I imagine for it to taste. And, but I've never had one, obviously. So when I opened Pura Vida, uh that was not on the menu, a couple months into us being open, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was making Carbonara using avocado. And wow. I and it was amazing. And it was very specific. I have like really specific dreams where I can like smell and taste and it's very colorful. Whoa. And my dreams are incredible. <laughs> I wish I could record them. I'd be a billionaire. <laughs> um, <clears throat> So I went into the restaurant that morning and I was telling my sous chef about this dream and he's going, okay, okay. like, go, do it. Why are you telling me? Just do it. Do what you're telling me (laughs) and write it down, damn it, (laughs) because I'm the worst. And so I did. I just did what I did in my dream and I ran it as a special that day. And it's been the number one selling dish on the menu by leaps and bounds since that day that we ran it as a special. And I've never eaten a real one, and I've had, like, Romans who don't speak any English, who are not vegan, eat it and tell me that it's, like, so spot on that maybe it's even better than what they've had in Rome, which is, like, the number one compliment you could ever imagine getting as a chef. Yeah. So, yeah. I dreamt it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like... um, Making good vegan food requires a lot of experimentation because um, maybe, uh, you know, you, ha- you haven't been... If you've been taught traditional, I guess, cooking, you know, there you have to combine ingredients that people might not have thought of before. Did you have to do a lot of experimentation with creating dishes at Pura Vida?
2: Um, I mean, before we opened... You know, I really had the menu planned for a really long time. Mm. There were dishes that I knew I wanted on there. Um, Just traditional things that I grew up eating. Um, Some of which were vegan from the very beginning and just, you know, they would never have known to use that word. Um, But no, I mean, I had it really, I, I mean, I had this dream, I had it planned. But then, of course, you're in the kitchen and you start, Mixing flavors together and you start experimenting with things and that's when the fun stuff happens the less traditional things um, That I think are more, you know, they're more interesting even than just like a typical like a Pomodoro Mm -hmm. Um, I mean that's the fun of my job is that I get to like sometimes the epic fails or what I think is going to be a huge mistake turns out to be the best thing I made all week, you know. And sometimes you think you're nailing something and you're like, oh, it's terrible. <laughs> but that's just all part of it, you mm-hmm. know. You have to fail constantly to to find the,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, to find what you want, really.
0: Yeah, and um, like you said, there are a lot of, like, experimentation that you're doing um, and, you know, that requires a certain type of creativity and expertise. But sometimes, as a vegan myself, I kind of feel like there's a disconnect between the culinary culture and vegan restaurants because vegan restaurants are acknowledged, but in their own category. Like, I've never seen, and I may be wrong, but I haven't seen a plant-based restaurant in the Michelin, you know, having a Michelin star yet. Mm -hmm. So, as a chef, do you feel that disconnect and... Why do you think that happens?
2: I definitely, unfortunately, still feel that there is a disconnect. I think that it's changing a lot. Um, we're really, really breaking down boundaries as we speak, but it still is not on the same page as traditional culinary, you know, skills and restaurants um, in, the, in the way of being recognized. Um <clears throat> I think it's mainly because the people who are recognizing are not plant-based themselves. So they just have this preconceived idea of what, you know, a plant-based restaurant would be Mm -hmm. like, you know, that everything is sort of like hippie food, you know, um, that it's not like, I mean, sometimes we're making super complicated sauces and, and, you know, dishes that require, like, crazy skill. The same as... A non plant based restaurant would be doing, but for whatever reason it is still sort of like not recognized in the same way it will be mm-hmm. it for sure will be we're we're
1: getting there yeah do you think chefs and especially in this age of climate change have responsibility to introduce more plant based options to their you know vegan and non vegan customers and alike
2: one hundred percent I think for two reasons I think that we have a responsibility to this planet that we live on to treat it more kindly than than we do. Um, and as a chef, you have a lot of control over those decisions. Um, the ingredients that you use, whether or not they're harmful to the environment, is your choice. No one's making you, forcing you to use things. So I think that more responsibility should be taken. Um, on the other hand, I also think that there are so many more people who are interested in eating plant based that those chefs who are still stuck in that old fashioned way of thinking, like, oh, you know, I'm not making vegan food. That's like whatever it is, that whatever the thought is that they put it down, they're really ignorant because there's a lot of people who are going to walk into that restaurant let's say with their family who is not vegan, and they're gonna have nothing to eat. And you're losing a potential customer because you're lacking the creativity and the open mind to provide what a lot of people are now asking for. So just like from the business side of it, you have to to really Mm -hmm. consider that. Even if you don't care about animals (laughs) and don't care about the environment, somehow if you're that person because those people definitely exist you're still losing the person who's in there with mm-hmm. their family and there's no option for them
1: there's a very high demand now especially in large cities
2: yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah and before we move on to talking about your pizzeria i think i want to talk i want to ask you this question because now i think that demand translates to beverages as well and you know, you have a wine bar. So for our listeners who might not know, could you explain a little bit about vegan wines and how um, chefs and owners can source them?
2: Yeah. <clears throat> um, so lots of wine is not vegan, which, like I said, a lot of people don't realize. I didn't
1: know. Yeah. yeah.
2: So the wineries use um, several different types of ingredients. Um, they use eggshells and they use fish bladder, um, gelatin. These types of things mostly in the filtration process of winemaking, um, and also sometimes as a as filler. Um, mostly in like the bigger, more commercial, you know, wineries. Um, so lots of wines are not vegan. Um, <clears throat> I choose I curate the wine list of Pura Vida, Um, and my wine reps do the research for me. (laughs) I, of course, always double-check it because I'm crazy. But um, (laughs) they won't even bring me the wine unless they consult the winery and confirm that it is 100% a vegan winery and that they're not using any animal ingredients in the winemaking process at any point of the winemaking process. Um, I won't taste it otherwise. So as, a, as the person who's curating the wine list, you can make it very simple by just saying that up front, and then mm-hmm. it gets filtered out for you. <laughs> um, but it does limit the options because there's definitely a lot of wines that are that don't fit the bill.
1: Um, How can you know individuals tell if the wine they're drinking is vegan or not? Is that possible um, for the everyday person? You mean by... Just by tasting it? No, I mean I, maybe I'm not sure. But uh, if you don't want to taste it, if is there other labels? Are there disclaimers? Are there is there anything that if you go to the store or a restaurant, like how? Yeah, what you if can, you want to stay away from
2: that? If it's a if it's a large enough winery, um, <clears throat> you can you can Google it. Um, you can Google the winery and find out if they're vegan friendly. Um, there's not a specific site yet for wine like there is for beer. Beer. There's a site called Barnivore where you can like literally yeah. just enter in the name of the beer I and it says. I use it a lot. Yeah, That's pretty cool. they
0: have they have some wines too, but they have not some wines, but not it, like the yeah. real like
2: you know sort of underground ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean if if you Google it, you can find out the information. It might take you a few minutes, but it's it's available, especially mm-hmm. um, for those wineries that are specifically vegan. They don't necessarily put a certification on the label. Because I think a lot of them feel like now that's turning people off mm-hmm. who are not vegan. It's like weird to have a vegan label on something mm. and people think that, oh, the wine's not good or some strange thing. But, um, but the information is available if you look for it. You just have to look for it. Right. Mm-hmm. There are some wineries in Italy now that are, that are certifying their wines vegan. There's actually a certification oh. stamp on the back of it, like the organic stamp. Mm-hmm. Um I try specifically to find those wineries and support them because I think that that's very forward-thinking and very cool.
1: As a non-vegan, I would not want my wine to have animal products. Like, I would want as simple as pure as possible grape. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Agreed>. Just <saying.
0: laughs> No, you're completely right. E- even I sometimes kind of have to like think about it because it doesn't come as a first thought when I'm like selecting wine. And then it just suddenly I'm like, wait, is this vegan? And you know, it's it's definitely not an everyday thought, mm-hmm. but it's, it's still important. Um, so now you have, you're going to have a pizzeria next door. Um, and we're all excited about it. And what do you think was the most, like, challenging aspect of opening another place?
2: I'm exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Luckily, it's right next door. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) there's no commute involved, which is extremely helpful. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the biggest challenge for me is that, you know, Pura Vida is my baby. You know, it's like really it really is my baby. I, I don't want to ever miss a moment. I don't want to miss any first steps. I don't want to, I don't want to be away from there and, you know, oh, this person came in or this happened. And so it's really hard, even though it's just literally on the other side of the wall, it's really hard to like remove myself now from this place and be in this other place. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly think that's the biggest challenge. I mean, it's just like, I love being in there so much. It's like open till close. I like to be I want to see everybody. I want to talk to everybody. I want to see all the food. I want to, you know, I just I want everything to be perfect. So it's hard to mm-hmm. like to step back from that and and do the next thing. But um that's all part of, you know, growing. Um and uh you have to, you know, sort of just push through that and yeah. And be ready for air, be ready to miss something, you yeah. know it's gonna be okay yeah.
0: <laughs> do you think about like breaking the wall down? Can you do that?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, so we were originally going to do that, but then the uh-huh. fire department said no, mm-hmm. and oh. it would if if it is possible, it would take like a long time to be permitted to do mm-hmm. that, like just literally the permit, mm-hmm. so we just decided to open and then. Maybe if we figure it out somewhere down the line and we can get a permit for it, then we'll make a hole in the wall. (laughs) (laughs) But right now, we just didn't want to like, oh, Mm -hmm. we're opening a pizzeria in two years. Just, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just going to be a separate place for now. Uh,
1: What sort of pizzas can we expect?
2: It's going to be Neapolitan-style pizza. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. My family is from Naples, uh-huh. so it only really makes oh. sense. Everybody assumes I'm doing New York style pizza, <laughs> which would also make sense, but um, that'll be the next place. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's my favorite kind of pizza, and um, it's not really represented very well here in LA. I feel like, <clears throat> especially, there's no vegan, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. options. I mean, Pizzana is the best pizzeria yeah. anywhere in LA for that style of pizza, and they have you know the two vegan options but they're mm-hmm. using like follow your heart cheese or whatever which is great but like mm-hmm. i want to do it where it's, everything is made in house and it's all you know super fresh and and naturally leavened and mm-hmm. you know all the things that 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 it should be um and we don't really have that here so mm-hmm. i'm excited it's going to be really fun
0: yeah me too because i also feel like um i can get good vegan pizza but then whenever i get vegan pizza with vegan cheese, it's usually underwhelming. Um, so I'm really excited to try out like handmade vegan cheese on a pizza. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was in Naples for one day. Um, that is not long ago. I know, I know. <laughs> I was in Naples for, <laughs> for one day um, this summer and I went to, we, me and my friend went to L'Antica um, Pizzeria de Mach- Michelle? Michele. 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 And, um... So they have two pizzas, right? There's the is it near Neop- uh, which one? There's the one with cheese and one without. Um what are those called? Margarita Marga- thank the, you. Yeah. Right.
2: That's the, how the pizza was invented for Queen Margarita. That's oh. why it's called. Oh. Oh. Wait, is
1: that the one with or without cheese? With cheese. With cheese. Yeah. And the one without cheese,
2: tomato and basil.
1: And the one without cheese Just is marinara. Marinara. Yeah. Okay. Well, I like the marinara one better. It was delicious. <laughs> um it was fantastic and that seems like it's a style of pizza that's extreme. It's it's welco- very welcoming to veganism, I believe. It's like, come here. We want this. We need this. Is there any dairy products in the dough? In in dough normally, in pizza dough? I'm not really familiar.
2: Um, normally, no. There should not be. If you go to Naples and they're doing it the way it's traditionally done, there is no dairy okay. in the dough. Um Sometimes you have to be careful if you are gluten-free because most places aren't, you know, making gluten-free dough now as it's like you kind of have to. Some of those places – some of those flours and dough mixes have uh, egg white and milk powder. So you mm-hmm. have to – which I just learned because now I'm making gluten-free and I'm like reading everything and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, don't – I'm not even going to – don't send me that. <laughs> <laughs> so – um it's something I would never have thought of, though, because it just seems like, oh, flour, right. you know, flour, mm-hmm. water, water, and natural yeast. And that's really all it should mm. be. Mm. Um, but, yeah, gluten-free you always have to be kind of wary of because mm. they're always using other things.
1: Are you going to have gluten-free and non-gluten-free options or all – all? Um, 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 that was going to be gluten free.
2: Oh no, no! I love gluten. Oh, <laughs>
1: okay. Let's not
2: get crazy. <laughs> I am gluten full. I love me some gluten. Matter of fact, making the gluten free dough, I had to do it, you know, because it's it's a demand. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's it's I'm like the opposite. I think of everybody else. People are under the impression that gluten free things are lighter and that they're like being more cautious of their diet if they choose mm-hmm. gluten free pasta or. But it's 100. percent, I mean, in my opinion, I'm not a doctor. But in my opinion, it's so much heavier. It's so dense. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's so much more calories. It sits so heavy in your belly. It's... it's, Yeah. yeah. I prefer <laughs> straight, you know, organic, super, super high quality Italian grown flour, wheat flour. Um, it has to be Italian grown because we... T- we taint everything in this country. Mm-hmm. Even if it says it's organic, it's still tainted with, you know, GMOs and pesticides and cross contamination and everything you could think of. I don't, I hate to say that, but it's true. It's unfortunate. Um, so all of the flowers that we use are 100% GMO free, mm-hmm. organic, grown in in Italy.
3: Yeah. I was, and act- so it's clean act- and
2: light. Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I actually, um, I was in New York a couple months ago, and I tried Scar's Pizza, and it also felt like the pizza dough itself felt like really light, and it didn't, you know, it was obviously like a lot of gluten, but it didn't bother me at all. And I did some research on it, and apparently the flour does matter a lot, and they were going like out of their way to actually like resource their flour from a very like organic, clean like Italian source. Mm-hmm. Um which is which, which is what, like, interested me a lot because is it harder to find that in the U.S. now with, because of the reasons that you mentioned?
2: Um, I mean, it's definitely not as readily available as, mm. you know, American-grown wheat. Um, there's a lot more of that here because we're here. But um, it's not that hard. Mm. You know, you have to find a really good vendor that's importing high-quality Italian ingredients and, you know, it's really— Mm-hmm. There's a lot of options. Their mm-hmm. farming um, regulations there are completely different. So mm-hmm. even if you were to use just straight, just flour <clears throat> that's mm-hmm. coming from Italy, that's you know not necessarily cor- organic, mm-hmm. it is all GMO-free because they're not allowed oh. by law mm-hmm. to genetically modify their crops. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it starts off on a... Mm-hmm. Much easier yeah. playing field. <laughs> um,
1: why don't we end with something sweet? You have a chocolate cake at Pura Vida that's highly lauded. Uh, everyone loves it. Um, how, how did you come up with that? I
2: do not make the chocolate cake. Oh. <laughs> Tony makes the chocolate cake. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, Tony, for Hi, the Tony. chocolate cake.
2: Thank you, Tony. It's
0: Actually, it has become one of my favorite desserts in Los Angeles um, because... Before trying it out, I thought it was going to be really heavy and I was going to be in like a chocolate coma for the rest of the day. (laughs) But the minute I finished the plate, I was like, I want another one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's how I felt with the carbonara.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Tony is our pastry, our baker, and he makes um, the chocolate cake, the chocolate chip and the pinoli cookies. And he also makes the ciabatta bread. Oh, (laughs) He's, uh, he's a very special person, my Tony. You <laughs> have a good team, yeah. huh? Yes. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's awesome. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, I never take credit for anything I don't do, so yeah. it's all about Tony.
0: Yeah, and before we um, end the show, do you have any um, guidance or a piece of, you know, your wisdom that you want to share with, um, the rest of the world, and mostly college students who maybe want to get into the food industry or who are interested in becoming chefs or owners of restaurants? Um,
2: wow. I, I think the most important thing I could that I could say is if you feel truly passionate about something, whatever it is, whether it be food or music or art or Anything, if you feel truly connected and truly passionate about something, you got to just turn everyone's opinions off and focus on what you love and do everything that you can to make it happen for yourself. People will tell you you're crazy. It's impossible. You can't do that. It's like being a rock star. It's one in a million. All the things that people will say to try to get you to, like, have a desk job. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just don't listen to them because if you're good at what you do and you care about what you do and you feel that passion, it's going to come through in your work and it matters and it's what makes all of us so interesting and makes this world such an interesting place. Um, I feel like that's the most important advice. It's just like, mm-hmm. you know you have to put everything into it and don't listen too much to other people. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Thank you very much. We don't anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you for coming to the station and having a chat with us. Thank you so much for having me. This Congratulations so cool. on your yes.
1: new new pizzeria baby, your second child My second coming child into fruition coming. soon. Yes. <laughs> I'll
2: be giving birth sometime next month. <laughs> next month? <laughs> next month, okay. Yeah.
1: Wow, okay, Pura Vida Pizzeria. Okay. We'll um, what's the, the address? Can you tell everyone um, the address? A2,
2: well, 8274 Santa Monica Boulevard is Pura Vida, the restaurant. A two seven six is the pizzeria. Fantastic. So it's just directly next door. Go Right eat. in the middle of West Hollywood. Um, yeah. Yeah. Easy to miss us. We're tiny. <laughs> you might breeze right by us, but <laughs> stop and ask somebody because everybody there knows. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they do. It was packed. Yeah. It's fun. Really it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: Well, well thank you guys. Thank, thank you so much, yeah. well, Chef Punzoni, for coming on the um, show. Um, go eat at Pura Vita. In uh, West Hollywood, we had a marvelous time. Um, go check out the new pizzeria.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Come say hi. Yes. I'm always there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Except uh, right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, come back in an hour. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you were listening to The Menu on com. I'm Belize.
1: And I'm Henry.
0: And we will be seeing you next week with another guest on our show, um, Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye.